horror fam, best friends, and ghoulish knights, and welcome to the 22nd episode of Murders with Mertens. I am your host, Joe, and this is a podcast about horror, slashers, dark comedies, body horror, the horror adjacent, the supernatural, the psychologically terrifying, scary films in general. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and discuss one of their favorite scary films so that we can gush about everything that makes it just so damned cool. Viewers. Thank you for the support. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. It all helps to get the word out and bring some much-needed love to this fledgling podcast. Roughly 30 subs until I can get that custom URL for this channel, so help, please. We're, we're getting there. We're getting very close. Um, but enough of all that. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of welcoming Keegan Hill to the podcast. Keegan, how the hell are you? Hello. How's it going, man? Uh, for those who don't know, who is Keegan Hill? I am a kind of funny best friend that we met through the Patreon um, and being a fellow trog, which I think a lot of the um, podcast guests are becoming. Yeah, yeah, we're working our way through the list. Um, but yeah, yeah, uh, we are fellow trogs for sure. Uh, always hanging out in that live chat, uh, at least when we can. Um, but yeah, uh, glad to finally get you on. We've been talking about doing this one. And um, yes, today's topic is 2022's, yes, it's a fairly recent film, 2022's X, written and directed by Ty West. Uh, Ty West kind of kills it at making period piece horror films like uh, The House of the Devil, where it feels like um, a film that was ripped right out of the 80s and looks like it was shot in the 80s. Um, I don't know that I necessarily got the same feeling out of this one, but still, he, he likes making those period piece films and they're pretty dope. Uh, Keegan, uh, you picked this one. What made you pick it? Because. I love horror, but I'm not particularly experienced, I would say. Um, and it was difficult to find a favorite because I, I feel like I can't have a, I don't really have a favorite because I haven't seen maybe the classics or enough horror. And I don't particularly have a horror film that screams if I think, oh, what's your favorite horror film? I'll immediately have an answer. So I thought I'll go for something that I did. I've seen this year that I really would like. Um, and that I went into not expecting to not expecting to not like it, but it was more of a on the whim to go and see. Um, so yeah, it, it was, it's in, I think it's in my top 10 of this year. So I was like something new. Um, yeah, and it's it's such a good film. Yeah, oh, it's tons of fun. The cast is great. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, I I know some people complain about you know I guess the pacing of the kills towards the end. Um, but you know in my mind, uh, it, it all works and reasonably well. Um, yeah, yeah. It's uh, again, I I don't have a whole lot to say about uh, you know. Uh, this film because it doesn't really have much of a history yet, but uh, I think we'll be able to get well, into some well, things. In the future. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Because uh, <laughs> Ty West is kind of killing it right now. 
Um, but yeah, uh, I, I think we should kind of dive in and save some of that other stuff for the end because, uh, you know, uh, it, it kind of, uh, follows, right. Um, we, no we, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we begin with, uh, this wonderful insect chatter and, uh, this view from, of a farmhouse from inside a barn. And I like how the doors frame the view like it's a four by three television screen. And then the camera kind of moves forward out of the barn and everything just kind of becomes more cinematic. And we see a couple of police cruisers and another uh, one pull up and yeah, it's the local sheriff. Um, and yeah, there's cops everywhere and bodies everywhere. When I, when I watched it again, um, when it had like the four kind of how they frame it so mm-hmm. that it's it looks like a classic kind of traditional television set and i was like i was saying to myself i was like was this whole film in that ratio and i was like i can't remember until the it widens up i was like no no that it wasn't and then obviously we'll come to it later on but they do have the little kind of the movie parts mm-hmm. um yeah um yeah i i like i liked opening um I like how they started off with the end. Yeah, it's like in media's res. Uh, yeah, uh, that that's pretty cool. Um, it, it feels very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, just, which obviously inspiration for this big time. But um, yeah, yeah, you get the uh, the, the sheriff uh, poking around at things. I love how he he takes out um, a handkerchief. Not to lift things, but because he knows he's probably going to get some goop on himself lifting up the the tarp to look at the one body. And uh, you you see him kind of wipe his hands off a little bit, tuck it back in. Um, Yeah, uh, it's a grisly scene. And as he moves towards the house, uh, you've got the little patio stones making a bit of a walk from the driveway to the front porch, and there's blood all over the place there as well. Um, he, he steps into the home, and you start hearing this television preacher uh, kind of going on and on in the background and just, just keeps making things more and more unsettling, right? And, and this, uh, go ahead. This through line about the film as well, this TV is always on, and it connects kind of it's on in the next scene, I think, in the the club and in it's in the house and it's all it's always on it. I like how it connects all the way through the film and it it pretty much ends as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it kind of starts and stops with it. Um so at this point, um he yeah, he's just kind of stepping around the uh the viscera there. And a deputy's like, Sheriff, you ought to come take a look at this. Uh, Leads him down into the basement. uh, And the deputy shines a light on something off screen. And the sheriff reacts with a my God as the camera sort of zooms in past him a ways into the darkness. And uh, we shift from the haunting music playing to uh, some yacht rock as somebody is setting up a line of coke. Um, I think it's Pablo Cruz or somebody like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
So Maxine's getting that all set up and uh, she does her line as somebody knocks at the door uh, telling her not to overdo it. And uh, it's, uh, it's Wayne. Um, and uh, they're, they're clearly involved because he asked her for some sugar and they make out a little bit. And uh, yeah, yeah. Um, he basically, uh, you know, Very much older than her. Looks about twice her age, but uh I'm, he left was it they referenced that he left his wife for her, so Yeah, were, something he was like that. Married. He must be at least late thirties or forties. I don't know how old. Yeah. Um and I don't know about you, but do you not get it seems quite creepy the relationship <laughs> a little bit. Oh, because um, he's also her boss. I mean that as well, but yeah. <laughs> It's just there's just uh, a weird um, yeah. There's a bit of a vibe. <laughs> he seems very creepy. Yes. Oh, big time. Uh, I think this is where they flash on the screen that uh, this is 24 hours earlier, um, and then he tells her that she's special. Um, but you know, hurry up because you know everybody's waiting. You know, they're they're obviously setting out to do something here. Uh, and this is where she looks at herself in the mirror and says, you know, very pointedly, you're a fucking sex symbol. And we cut to some Mungo Jerry and the exterior of the building, which is uh, Bayou Burlesque. It's a topless bar. That's fun. Um, and they all pile into this van. Um, you know, it's uh, well, first the person that bursts out of the door uh, is a woman in a red romper. Uh, just very powerful moving out of this building and uh, towards the van um, and they pile in. And of course it says plowing service on the side. Ha ha. Um, <laughs> and the camera kind of rises up to uh, show us that this is an absolute shithole uh, surrounded by oil refineries. And then it flashes on the screen. This is Houston, Texas. Um, I'm this, real cool. Ah, that explains it. Yeah, this is not one of the pretty parts of Texas. Not at all. And I'm sure parts of Houston are great, just not this area because it's, yeah, oil refineries. It, yeah. Um, and we also get that flash of uh, 1979, all made out of uh, stars and stripes. It just fills the screen. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, oh God, I'm old Keegan. That's the year of my birth. Um, but yeah, go ahead and laugh because it is funny. Um, yeah. Uh, so then we cut right to America needs Jesus as they're uh, dialing through the radio there. Um, and as they're driving along, uh, somebody's passing out some scripts and it's clear they are off to go make a movie. Um, I, I like this, uh, how they, they kind of move around, the the inside of the van and you're sort of introduced to all the characters by them doing all this. It, it works pretty well. Um, and, uh, Bobby Lynn, uh, is, you know, she's the blonde, uh, in the red romper and she's all, uh, Hollywood, here we come. And Wayne doesn't like very, this. Very Marlon Monroe type. Oh Yeah. Yeah, she she clearly has built her whole, you know, look around Marilyn Monroe for sure. Um 
And Wayne, he doesn't like the idea of Hollywood. He loves the idea of being this indie filmmaker. And that's what they're setting out to do. They're setting out to make a porno um, and hoping to really cash in because uh, this is like right at the start of the uh, home video market. And they figure they're going to make something that's going to explode, do big numbers because people are able to buy these things and rent these things and, you know, deal with them in the privacy of their own home as opposed to, uh, you know, going to a creepy theater and, uh, you know, getting spotted by somebody. Um, so things are, you know, becoming, I guess, a little bit more acceptable. I, I, I don't know. I, the, my only frame of reference is probably boogie nights. Uh, I don't know about you, but, um, but yeah, yeah. He wants, um, he wants a level playing field for regular folks like them. Right. Um, and this is where Bobby Lynn, who uh, from here on out, I'm referring to in my notes as BL so that I don't have to type that over and over. Uh, she, she laughs it off, uh, because, uh, Wayne, uh, apparently started a topless car wash that, uh, didn't pan out. And, uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. I can see that really working. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's got that great line of, uh, if the IRS didn't have a personal vendetta against me, you know, it would have panned out beautifully. Um, sure. Sure. They, they had a personal vendetta against you. No, you weren't paying your taxes. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we kind of move around the cabin of the van here and, uh, we got RJ in the back. Uh, he's, you know, sort of the writer slash director of the film slash cameraman. Uh, he's all in, he's all about this. He gets to make a movie and you got his girlfriend, Lorraine. She's pretty dubious about the situation. She's basically there to handle the sound and hang out with her boyfriend, I guess. Uh, He's quite quiet from this point. Like you don't really yeah. hear much of her until no. a bit later on, where she kind of comes out. Whereas, yeah, it's like halfway uh, through the movie before she really says much of anything. Um, yeah, to other people other than RJ, she she makes a comment in a you know few beats here, but um, but yeah, she's very quiet. Uh, uh, of course, played by the lovely uh, Jenna Ortega. Uh, she's had a year. Very much so. Um, you know, she was in Scream. She was in this. She's uh, in that Wednesday Adams show that's going to be out before too long. She's doing all the shit. Um, and uh, Bobby Lynn, uh, of course, uh, Brittany Snow and uh, Jackson, uh, the uh, <clears throat> talent for the film. Um, he is played by the one and only Kid Cudi. And he is more focused on the joint that he is rolling uh, than really the conversation that's happening here. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The conversation sort of turns towards, uh, the American dream and, uh, you know, Bobby Lynn, she, she just wants to have a nice house and a pool and everything. And that's, that's basically it. She just, she wants a better life. And, uh, you know, she, she asks Maxine, uh, what her American dream is. Uh, but Maxine's, you know, just kind of silent. She's, uh, staring off into the landscape as they drive along. Um, I, th I think it's pretty clear by the end of this, what her dream is. Um, but, um, but yeah, yeah, they just kind of drive along. Um, and we cut to the gas station and a cock, I mean, rooster, um, you know, super subtle here. All uh, right. 
what, what do you think about the screen wipes? Um, you see a lot of them and you see a lot of like side by side things in this film. I, I don't, I really noticed them that much. It's, it was the, the rapid cuts that got me when mm-hmm. they would have like two things going on at once and they would like rapid, like they forth. were coming up, we're coming up to one where there's all the cows. This is where, I mean, this is stable and worked up. There's all the cows and it just starts cutting back and forward. And I'm like, okay, why are they doing this? Yeah, that kind of happened in- with the, um, I understand that later on it happens later on. Yeah. But at this point I'm like, why cows? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they did this little back and forth thing when, uh, Maxine was cutting up her, uh, line of Coke in the very beginning too, from the, the darkness to the, uh, the mirror. Um, yeah. Um, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, the screen wipes for me, I find it, a little, uh, it, it takes me out of things just a tiny bit only because there's a big black border around them. Uh, instead of just being a little bit more subtle, like, uh, I don't know, like star Wars, you know, uh, the, a new hope has a ton of those. Um, and I know it's sort of harkening back to an older style of filmmaking too, but, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird to me. Um, but yeah, uh, we've got the gas station here and Wayne and Maxine go inside to pick up supplies and it's revealed that RJ is a film student from the local university that Wayne met somehow or another. And, uh, that's how he's got his, uh, writer, director, cinematographer, whatever. Um, and let's see here. Yeah. Uh, Maxine kind of comes out and says at this point that, you know, she, she's, she just wants not just a better life, but for everyone to know her name. She wants to be famous. She wants to be Linda fucking Carter. Um, and you know, uh, she wants to be wonder woman, I guess. Um, but, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess everybody does have, uh, their dream out of all of this. Um, and you know, I'm not sure if I'm not sure if Wayne like really believes it or if he's just stoking her ego, but this is where he tells her that she's got that X factor and you know, he really sees something inside her. What's, what's your take with that? Is he just kind of spitting with her and wants to use her for her talent or does he really believe that she's got something? I think he's probably just telling her that. Yeah. Um he is, you know, kind of a scumbag to be fair, but yeah, and obviously cuz they're together, he's not going to turn around and say, "Oh, well, yeah. you're you're not great." <laughs> um and yeah, he I mean it is a weird relationship again and it doesn't it they're like they they seem like they love each other, but it's like it's more of that I feel yeah. like he's still he stills just sleeping with her. Well, yeah, and they're both clearly using each other for something too. Yeah, oh yeah. I mean, it's probably just as bad on her way as on her way to him as she probably sees that in him as a director. She thinks maybe I he can help me and, and I don't know. 
Yeah. And uh, as they're talking, you can see through the uh, the open door of the gas station um, that uh, they're setting up outside to shoot something by the van. Um, and we cut to RJ explaining his intentions to um, um, to BL here um, as they prepare to film the scene. You know, how they can just, you know, once they're done shooting it all, he can, you know, cut it together in any order that he wants. You know, it's editing, you know, like they're doing in France, he says. Um, he, he wants to make it more avant-garde. He, he, he wants to make his whole goal is to make a good, dirty movie. Um, and this is where Bobby Lynn uh, gives RJ the idea of shooting from a different angle so that it looks like Jackson is using his schwanz to uh fill fill up the um fill up the van um she's all proud of herself i I love it (laughs) her character's so much fun she's just great she's yeah shout out to britney snow because mia goth and jenna ortega uh get so much love in this movie uh from fans and you know just the horror community in general but shout out to britney snow she's great um she gets a lot a lot of the funny lines in this movie too i mean i just had a look to see which else she was in and i was shocked i was like from the other things that i've seen her in she's been a completely different character and she plays this character so well she's got chops absolutely um, so we cut back inside the gas station, uh, Maxine, she's questioning Wayne about why they're filming out the sticks instead of around Houston. And he tells her it's to, you know, kind of stretch the budget, uh, cause their money can go a little bit further out there, but also, you know, kind of keep away from prying eyes because there's a lot of people that just, you know, aren't into people filming this kind of stuff. Um, especially and... 1979. Yeah. Yeah, it's even though things are sort of uh, becoming more acceptable at that point, you know, it's clearly very, very conservative. Um, so, yeah, uh, they buy their stuff. They step back outside. Um, Bobby Lynn's um, is Bobby Lynn, isn't it? God, yes, it is Bobby Lynn. Okay. See that this is what I get for abbreviating. Um, but then, uh, yeah, she's, uh, kind of, uh, digging at Wayne a little bit about, um, the quality of the script, I guess, you know, she's like, Hey, this is, people aren't going to be watching this to see people talking or for the plot. Um, and you know, he kind of chastises her for being a bit negative about things. And, uh, you know, they decide to, you know, move on. And she, you got that funny line about her wanting to talk to her agent, you know, you know, she's like enough of this, you know, and she's, she's more teasing them than anything, but it's, it's cute. Um, I, and I'm t- sorry, go ahead. An agent. No, not at all. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> she's again, she's, she's the jokester of the group. She, she's the one that always got, he always has like the little zinger. Um, so yeah, it's just her it's more having like fun. She, she's playing that Hollywood role in the film almost. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh yeah, big time. Um, she like thinks it rolls. It's funny. I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they get slowed down a little bit on the road because there was an accident involving a truck and a cow. Um, it's uh, pretty grisly. Um, it's there's gore all over the front of this truck. Um, and they're even driving through it. Um, and Maxine nearly loses her lunch and talks about how she can't stand blood and guts. Um, a little bit of foreshadowing there, of course. Um, but, uh, they, they make their way through and we see, uh, the sheriff from before supervising the cleanup efforts. I love how they're just shoveling it and throwing it off the, to the side of the road. Um, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're just like, let's get rid of this. Yeah, I didn't realize it, it was the sheriff from the end of the film. Yep. Yep. So he's had a bad couple of days, uh, is what they're getting at. Um, one worse than others. But um, yeah, so they move on from there. Uh, they make it to the farm, and we get some great ADR from Bobby Lynn and Jackson about how oh thank god we're here because she's horny and he's like yeah you're always horny and she's like no i'm not and yeah she's ready to go she's ready to do this thing um so they pull up to the house and i know rj is like very excited about everything he's very excited about the production value and all that um and when he he gets out first to go talk to the farmer, he wants everybody to stay put because uh, he's got to do his little businessy thing. And uh, this is where Lorraine speaks for I think the first time. You know, she's uh, a little skeeved out first of all by Bobby Lynn and Jackson making out there right in front of him, uh, and it's loud. It's super loud. Um, but uh Lorraine thinks what they're doing is smut, you know, because it's smut. Um, but RJ's convinced that he can make this good dirty movie. So, you know, he's doing his best to convince her. Um and this is where the old man finally comes to the door. They're you know, they're doing the two plane of action thing where they, you know, go to the van, back to the house, back to the van, so on and so forth. Um and this old man sounds a little confused about uh you know who who Wayne actually is he thinks he's somebody from like the local government or something like that he is and dressed up like a sheriff a little bit yeah he's got that uh you know kind of cowboy look thing going on i guess um but uh yeah he finally comes to the door and he picks up a shotgun that's leaning right by the door and Wayne's Stepping back a little bit, and Maxine sees all this from the van. Uh, she grabs a uh, a revolver out of the glove box, um, but nothing really happens with that at all at this part. Um, but you know, you see her getting prepared, and Wayne reiterates that he's the gentleman that the farmer spoke to on the phone on Tuesday about the boarding house, and. The farmer finally remembers, puts down the gun, saying it isn't even loaded. And Wayne says, hey, I keep one in my glove box. Exact same thing, just, uh, you know, for show. Um, that'll come back. Um, and so they just, they, they 
talk about, yeah, what they agreed to and all that. And they cut back to unloading the van. And this is where Maxine sees an elderly woman staring at her from an upper window. And you get the creepy music and all that fun stuff. Yeah. This is very every horror film ever. You know it. Someone standing <laughs> at a window staring out. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's also just kind of the point of a lot of this movie that this, these are, you know, er, the the tropes of every single horror film, you know, uh, people splitting up, people going out in the dark alone, people, you know, all all the dumb shit that people do. Um, but it's still fun. It doesn't make the, it doesn't make the film bad. It's, it's funny. It's funny to watch them. Whereas some films, it can be, oh, this is the same thing I've seen a thousand times. Sometimes that stuff is just painful. This film is quite entertaining, and the characters are, you'll, I mean, there's, there's not really a character you don't like, or you don't really know, like you know, because it's such a small cast, you know each character and what their intentions are, and kind of, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it works. Um, so there's this really long shot of sort of the empty field. And I, I like it, but, you know, you just hear the insects and, you know, just kind of the... Do a lot of, is it the cicadas? They do a lot of the cicadas, like, just in the background. cicadas or not, but or yeah, or just the, yeah, just the insect buzz, right? Um, and yeah, we cut back to the whole group walking across this field then with the farmer leading them to the boarding house. I love that there's no driveway or anything that leads over to this house. No, you got to go on foot for some reason, uh, or the fact that they just couldn't drive the van over there. No, can't do that. Uh, it's probably because we need to keep the vehicles over by the house for reasons later. Um, but uh yeah uh, the old man you know kind of pauses to have a coughing fit um cuz he's overexerting himself and you know Wayne asks him if he's okay and this guy bolts back up and Wayne seems a little unsettled by it even though it's not the most unnerving Thing. I, I don't know. There's Wayne's reaction seemed a little odd. I think it seemed appropriate for what's to come, but I don't know. It was weird to me. Um, the, the old man in general is unnerving, but yeah, that action of him standing and kind of struggling. Yeah. Cuddy, um, Jackson uh, also makes a comment a little bit earlier about, oh, what an ugly motherfucker this guy is. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a good looking man. No. Um, but I notice. I mean, they do a lot of hiding of the faces as well of the old the the couple. Like, I don't know to the dark, like the a lot of the darkness that finds at night and stuff. But I think at the beginning is more when you see the old man, and then later on, it's you kind of just see this old-looking figure in the distance. You don't see a lot of them, kind of actually clear view yeah i wonder if part of that's to hide the um you know the makeup effects of much younger actors 
Um, yeah. or, who is it that plays the old man? Um, that's a good, good question, sir. Um, I did not look that up. I suppose I can quickly. Do, do, do. Even you. Hmm. Can't think who that is. Oh, uh, apparently he played some orcs in uh, the Lord of the Rings movies and one of the Hobbit films, which makes sense because this film was filmed in New Zealand. Um, yeah, I just by the end, I was like, oh, that's interesting. Yep, a lot of stuff that was filmed in New Zealand. Hmm. Okay. I don't know him from anything, but uh, yeah. Um, I, I like his work as the old man, uh, Howard. Um, I keep calling him the old man, but his name's Howard. Um, but yeah, they finally make it to the boarding house and uh, they have this conversation where he asks Wayne if he, you know, if he was in the service, if he served. And Wayne uh, brings up, nope, uh, he had flat feet. So he wasn't drafted. He did not serve in Vietnam. Uh, you know, that's was often an excuse to get out of uh, the draft. Um, but uh, it, which I could totally see Wayne as a character being a draft dodger. Um, but uh, also, yeah, you know, maybe he actually did have some kind of a medical condition. Sure, whatever. But yes, he never served. Uh, and then uh, Jackson, uh, he pipes up right away saying that he did two tours in Vietnam. And then he turns his head and says to the uh, Howard uh, that he's had enough of farmers trying to shoot him for one lifetime. You know, um, yeah. Yeah, I totally get that. And of course, um, Bobby Lynn has to laugh at this. And that riles up Howard a little bit where he's got, to, you know, he, he's not enjoying the fact that there's all these people. And that's where Wayne sweetens the deal. He was, I love how he was going to rent this boarding house for 30 bucks. <laughs> $30. But instead he's going to... How much was thirty dollars in nineteen seventy nine? I mean, it was a good amount, but still, um, you know, basically to rent this property and shoot something, which I'm sure he never told the farmer what it was that they were going to use the boarding house for. But, um, but yeah, he sweetens the deal and gives him a little extra. And uh, this is where the farmer tells him that he doesn't like him, and also uh, makes a comment about how you know his wife is there in the house. And he would like a little discretion uh, to, you know, whatever it is that they're up to, you know, just keep your distance and leave my wife out of it. Um, it's like, okay. My favorite, my favorite thing is that he warns them about his wife. <laughs> right. And it's like, it's very much the opposite of they should be warned about her. Yeah. Just because she's the one that does a lot of the instigating. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um because she has very particular tastes. Um 
Yes, uh, we'll get into that eventually here. Uh, Lorraine realizes that Wayne never told the farmer what they're up to, and this is where everybody is shocked that she finally said something. I think this is... <laughs> This is where he calls her uh, church mouse because she's so quiet. Um, and uh, yeah, he's like, you know, hey, better to, you know, ask for forgiveness than permission or something like that. Um, they just they, they want to get this show on the road. And this is where Wayne's like time to give the people what they want to see. And Bobby Lynn is ready to fucking go. And clearly ready to go because they cut right to the sex scene that they're filming. Um, and they do their thing. RJ, he tries to give some direction. Jackson is not having it, telling him to stay in his lane. Uh, it's funny. And then poor Lorraine, you know, she's got the boom mic standing over them. <laughs> she is so uncomfortable. Yes. Um, and while all this is going on, Maxine decides to go outside for a smoke and a walk around the property. Um, and she finds this little dock and a pond. And she heads out there onto the dock, and we see that the old woman is kind of following her at a distance. Uh, of course, she does not see this. Uh, she dips her toes. The old lady's watching her. And then she decides to strip down and jump in. Uh, and then we cut back to the boarding house. Uh, they're done with their scene and Wayne and RJ are clearly excited. One of them more than the other, uh, forces RJ to get handsy with him for some reason. Um, I don't know where HR is in this production, but this is not good. Um, <laughs> Oh, is this the scene? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where he grabs his hand and puts it on his crotch. Um, I was yeah. like, what scene is that? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, but they're both pretty stoked about what they uh, filmed and how it's going. Um, you know, this, uh, they're, they're ready to keep moving here. Um, and then we cut to Bobby Lynn cleaning herself up, and that's disgusting. Uh, and she oh, throws the it's... rag <laughs> in the general direction of Lorraine, which is so gross. And I don't know how intentional it was that she threw it in her direction. I think that it's entirely possible that Bobby Lynn does not see her in any way that she totally didn't even notice that she was over there. But also I can see her just being a dick and throwing the jizz rag at her. It's the cut when it cuts over and you see her back and it's a little bit wet and it's like, yeah, yeah, I didn't need to see that. Um, but yes, uh, Bobby Lynn teases Jackson for being a little full of himself because he's standing there all proud looking out the window. Um, and yeah, <laughs> he spends a lot of time being naked in this movie. Um, and she tries to make him feel better after she teases him a bit. Uh, and then we cut to Maxine floating in the pond. And I think this was another one of those cuts where they cut back and forth a little bit. Um, it's, it's a, it's a weird technique. I, I, I think I like it, but I don't know. Um, but yes, she's I like floating it in this movie. Yeah. Um, makes me think of, uh, oh God, 
It was uh, the the rewatch of uh, Black Panther on In Review, where when they oh, got to gosh. the the plots on, and they were switching back and forth between the the two shots, and yeah, yeah, that that was that was kind of intense. But uh, Kevin made that happen. Um, so yeah, uh, Maxine's floating out there in the pond, and she's just kind of looking up at the sky and super relaxed. And this is where we see that a gator is watching her and it decides to slip into the water and swim after her right about the time that she decides to swim back to the dock. And we get a nice suspenseful overhead shot of the gator closing in on her. And she does uh, manage to finally uh, hop back uh, onto the dock before it is able to get her. And that's right when we cut to the gang filming uh, more scenes for the movie. Uh, this time, uh, sort of establishing shots of Jackson's character getting to the farmhouse and meeting the farmer's daughter. Uh, if we didn't mention it already, the title of their uh, uh, dirty film is uh, The Farmer's Daughters. Um, real original, I know, but um, that's kind of the point, that they think they're going to make it big with something that's so unoriginal. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, and then we cut back to Maxine, uh, walking back and she sees the old lady from a distance on uh, the porch of the house and they kind of awkwardly wave to each other. And, uh, the old lady sort of gestures, uh, her to, you know, come over and she does, um, she kind of, uh, Maxine sort of timidly enters the house uh, calling out to her and she just can't find her steps into the dining room. And this is where the old lady is right behind her with a pitcher of lemonade. Um, and yeah, this film is tropey as hell, uh, <laughs> but it works. I, I like it. I, I like the way it's shot. It's, um, it's, uh, it's, it's cool. It, it works for me. Um, but uh, we kind of cut back and forth between them filming scenes for the movie and Maxine and the old lady whose name is Pearl uh, having their lemonade. I like this back and forth. And they, they, they do this a few times in this film. Um, this is one of the times where I think it works well. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even the way that... Um, we're viewing the table in both scenes, you know, the film that they're filming as well as the table in the dining room and, uh, lemonade. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's all cut together almost like it's one scene. Um, I like what they, they kind of symbolize that it's the, is it, um, Bobby Lynn and, Mm -hmm. uh, Jackson mm -hmm. are supposed to be um, Maxine and Pearl. Yep. And the way they like to shot for shot, where it's like, uh, is it Bobby Lynn is Pearl, the one that's kind of like trying to come on to the other one? Yep. Yep. Because Pearl is uh, clearly coming on to Maxine. Um, yeah, so they have uh, their drinks, and then the old lady's kind of showing her some photos and sort of lamenting her old age. 
and they pop over to this mirror and uh pearl just can't help herself she's got to reach out and touch someone and that's awkward uh she makes her little advance on maxine and maxine uh is startled and steps back and asks her what she's doing well pearl's kind of saved by the bell here because howard returns home you hear his truck outside and uh pearl tells her you know she should probably leave um so not wanting to incur the ire of howard she decides to leave through a back door uh cuz he had told them not you know to leave the old lady alone um so nice work maxine you probably set all this in motion um but uh yeah yeah um she steps out and kind of looks around the side of the house and sees him coming in and sneaks away and runs across this field um kind of looking over her shoulder mostly and this is where she kind of smacks into wayne and it's like barely a jump scare but uh he's been looking everywhere for her and it's clear that he's not concerned about her being missing it's that he needs her for the next scene because they're losing the light mm-hmm. nice wayne nice uh yeah yeah he's just he's a dick uh so uh she does bump uh to get ready for her scene and says a mantra into the mirror i can't remember exactly what she says at this point but uh we cut back to the house and howard sees the lemonade uh and the glasses and everything and he knows what's happening um yeah uh so they sneak into the oh i'm sorry is it assumed that this has happened before then yeah it's um because later on they talk about oh yeah i don't know (laughs) if they talk about others as in the rest of the group or others as in other people they've killed i i think you could you could probably interpret it both ways yeah um this is something that's happened before and i love how it again kind of parallels what's going on in uh in the movie that's being filmed in that yeah somebody's messing with something they shouldn't on the farm right um so uh yeah they they sneak into the barn to film their their scene uh Maxine's big scene here and uh, you know she's uh, supposed to be uh milking a cow and then seducing Jackson um, and I love her line about you wouldn't like daddy when he's angry. Um, yeah, that's suitably creepy. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, uh, kind of cut back and forth between, uh, Pearl getting herself all done up and back to Maxine filming her sex scene with Jackson. And then eventually Pearl makes her way down to the barn and is watching them through the window. I, you got to figure, cause they don't really show the film uh, of, you know, what, what's being filmed, but you got to figure her face in the window is like in the background and they didn't even realize it. At least I hope. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah, they, uh, there's this great, great shot of Maxine looking over her shoulder and 
I don't think she sees Pearl at all. Um, she's kind of lost in the moment, but it's clearly Pearl imagining herself as Maxine uh, because they cut back and forth between Maxine and Pearl in the same position, um, having sex with Jackson, um, which is you. Um, but <laughs> I like it. I, I, I like how this works. Um, it's a um, cool score in this scene too. Um, I like that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, what are your overall thoughts on the super gratuitous sex in this movie? <laughs> it's, it's not that bad. Um, I think there's, I think that, the scene that we just talked about and the one earlier with um God, I forgot her name again. Bobby Lynn. Bobby Lynn and Jackson are the two main ones. Um, mm-hmm. Everything else is oh, more implied. Then, well yeah, then, yeah there's mm, yep. Yeah, um, the one we'll later there. on we'll <laughs> get there. Um that's the more just dis- that's probably the more disturbing part of the anything. Yeah. Like the rest of it's like I mean, I've probably seen films that have probably had more sex or like stuff like that. Like, even though they are making a porn film and the, that's what the film's about, it's they don't kind of over use it. Like, yeah. it's not sex, sex, sex. It's kind of here and there's there. Some, there's some restraint. Yeah. They could have easily just went all out, absolutely just right. effing all the time and stuff. But no, they. I think that was the better thing to do was to have the two kind of scenes and the one later on, um, rather than just having one big, maybe bad essentially. Like this film did not need that. Um. <laughs> Also, they probably could have done one with how horny the actors are. Like, oh, well, not, and not the actual actors, but the actors in the film. <laughs> the act- <laughs> yeah, this does get pretty meta, I know. Um, so yeah, Pearl goes back to the house and she begs Howard to have sex with her, but he declines because of his bad heart. Um, and we cut to Loretta Lynn and gross sandwiches as uh, the crew kind of unwinds for the day. It's like um, a cross between like spam and ham, is it? It's like, or like, I don't know. It it, like I think it's just like bologna ram, or something like yeah, that. Like something like that. Uh, and but it's got, just, and there's, a, there's a jar of mayo as well. And I'm like, that is the most disgusting combination. Yeah, it does not sound good in any way to me. Um, but again, they're trying to be cheap, they're trying to do this on a budget. And that's, you know, very much what they're implying here. And they got their cheap beer as well. Um, but yeah, uh, they're kind of unwinding and shooting the shit and just, you know, kind of relaxing because, you know, they had a good day, right? Uh, and this is where Lorraine asks about having sex on camera and, you know, questions about, well, you know, if you love somebody, you know, how can you do that? And, you know, they talk about how, well, it's kind of a different thing. You know, there's you know, doing this on camera versus with somebody that you love. And so, 
you know, Lorraine's like, oh, so the camera changes it. And they're like, yes, <laughs> yes, it does. Um, and she has some of her presumptions about, uh, you know, the talent there. Um, some of that challenged a little bit and, you know, she starts thinking about all this stuff a little bit. Um, yeah, again, they mentioned it's just sex and Bobby Lynn has that great line about, you know, how someday we'll all be too old to fuck and we need to, you know, have fun while we can. And this is where they, uh, start toasting, you know, to the perverts, you know, because we're going to bring them out of the dark. Uh, they're the ones that have, you know, basically put food on our table all this time, but we're going to, you know, turn around and help them because, uh, Home video is where it's at. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. Then we get this cool little cover of uh, Britney Snow and uh, Kid Cudi playing Landslide. Um, she's actually got a pretty sweet voice. I, I did to, not like, find it. I tried to like Shazam that and like nothing came up and I was like, so they didn't even release this as like a song, like... It's probably just Which is a shame. Scene in the film. It's a shame. You know, of course, you, you can't beat the, um, you know, original uh, Stevie Nicks version of this with, um, you know, Fleetwood Mac. But, um, but also, you know, you got the Smashing Pumpkins cover, which is fairly iconic out of the 90s. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, I love how they're all just kind of chilling, playing some guitar, drinking some beers, eating gross sandwiches. Yeah, they're. Just, or they all get murdered. Yeah, exactly. You got to have a moment of levity and, uh, you know, just a nice moment for these folks. Um, and as they're uh, you know, playing this song, they kind of do this weird collage thing with cutting back and forth to the farmhouse and Pearl and each of them as they listen. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know that I dig on this editing here so much, but it, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's bad necessarily. It's just not really my jam. That's all. Interesting choice. More like, yeah, yeah. Um, so they finish up their song and this is where Lorraine blurts out that she wants to do a scene. Because this is what she's been thinking about while listening to them play. Um, and immediately RJ is like, what? And they start arguing about it all. And he's kind of a controlling prude. Um, and she calls him on that. Um, and he's assuming that everybody in the production kind of put her up to it. And was like, no, no, she's decided that, yeah, if the camera really does change it and you know, she's only young once she wants to be part of this. And he brings up all these lame excuses, um, you know, and I like that she stands up for herself with all this. Um, and yeah, she absolutely does call him a prude, uh, which is funny because I think, somebody called her one earlier on. It may have even been him. Um, and this is her just kind of throwing it back in his face. Um, and this is where Wayne decides to take control of the situation. He takes RJ outside. Uh, not so much to defuse the situation, but to convince him to let her do it. 
because he sees um, a good opportunity for the film right there more than anything. Um, yeah. Uh, I, poor RJ. You got to feel bad a little bit, but also, no, you're kind of a controlling dick. Um, this is the part and, of the film where you it makes you not like him because he's so controlling and he's like, yeah, it's just like they'll let her do whatever they want. Like, mm-hmm. um, and this is where Wayne tells him that you know ain't none of them nice girls. Um, but also RJ kind of throws that back at Wayne, and you know Wayne gets a little pissed about you know how RJ perceives uh, the ladies here. Um, but at the end of the day, they go to film the scene and it's real slow of, um, of uh, Lorraine getting undressed. And I love uh, the uh, super focus on her taking her cross off to do this. Uh, and poor RJ has to film his girlfriend uh, having sex with another man. So that's what you get, motherfucker. Um, and this is where uh, Pearl snaps awake, but everyone else is asleep, except for RJ crying in the shower. That's... <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I, I think if you set out to make a movie like this, there's certain things that you need to get over, and this is one of them. Um, but he decides, you know, I'll show them. And he snatches the keys to the van off of the counter and he storms off. And, um, yeah, he's like, Hey, how far are you going to get when you have no way to get home? And, uh, yeah, that's basically what he's going to do. He's not exactly thinking, but as, uh, he starts up the van and, uh, we get some blue oyster cult here. Don't fear the reaper. Uh, he kind of turns around in the driveway and Pearl is standing right there. And wow, is she creepy looking when you have full headlights pointed at her. She's like a ghost. It's. It looks like she's been lost from like a care, like a care home. She's just like yeah. standing there. just like, well, and that's really been everybody's perception of her that she's, you know, probably got dementia and, you know, um, but he gets out of the van. It's a little concern, you know, Creepy old lady out here alone at night. You know, maybe we need to get her back inside or whatever. So he goes to check to see if she's okay. And she hugs him and gets very gropey with her hand on his back. And then she tries to kiss him and he pushes her away. And then she like tries to undress herself and he stops her. And this is where it's like, okay, now that's enough of that. And she just stabs him right in the neck. He's a little surprised. Um, I, because, I, remember, I remember like watching this the first time and I was like, okay. Yeah. 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 She gets some good. Uh, and that's what was in her other hand the whole time that you never see. Um, and he kind of stumbles back towards the, uh, the front of the van and uh, drops to the ground there and Pearl straddles him and stabs the shit out of him. 
There is blood going everywhere and it gets all over the headlights because of course it does because you have to have the scene bathed in red light, right? There you go. Uh, Looks great on the the backlights on the TV, just bright red. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she kind of gets up and she starts dancing around in the red light very, very slowly. Um, well, does she tell... Um, Maxine, Maxine, she was a a dancer, mm-hmm. or like a performer or whatever. So then, this is when it's like just really creepy. She just starts kind of slowly doing, like arm and movements. It's just yep, <sighs> yep. And uh, then she kind of finishes up with her dance, and this whole time, the uh, the sound of the music from the van goes away. Um, and when she finishes up her dance the sound of uh blue oyster call comes back in um and this is where um she takes the keys out of the van and lorraine snaps awake and realizes that rj is gone and she gets up and creeps through the quiet boarding house looking for him um and sees that the front door is wide open and she steps out there to look around and Wayne startles the shit out of her. And of course he's wearing nothing but bikini briefs because he's that kind of guy. Um, yeah. Oh, you're muted Keegan. It's so tight. They're so tight as well. And they don't leave much to the imagination. They're impossibly tight. Yes. Um, but yeah, uh, she um, she's concerned that uh, she drove RJ away and she convinces Wayne to help her find him. He's not happy about this. He's like, never again. Um, and Wayne goes off to explore the barn and Lorraine takes off towards the house. And of course, it's the trope of people splitting up. Never split up in these creepy situations. What the hell are you doing? But uh, Lorraine uh, meets Howard, who's stepping out of the house, and he says he's looking for his wife. Uh, and this is where we cut back to the barn, and Wayne steps on a nail. I think you're muted again. The whole I love the whole barn um, sequence because it's. I was watching it. I was like, I can't wait for this. But I was like, this is the only that in the basement death the car the the light i mean i remember all the deaths were well with the the barn one i was like i was waiting for him to go in and i remember him looking in and the just the mm-hmm. right in the eyes oh yeah and they telegraph the nail uh very very clearly um as soon as you see it on screen it's like okay he's barefoot and he is going to step on this um it's, I also... it gives you those one of the false sense of security where like some films would show you the nail and they'd step over it or they'd miss it. Whereas this mm-hmm. film's like, nah, he stands on it. Oh yeah. And he goes right down and, uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's not good. Um, there, for whatever reason, there's a shop light on the ground next to him too. And he, he no idea why, but, um, you know, it's just convenient for the plot, right? Because we need a little bit of light here. 
Uh, he turns it on, sees what he stepped on, um, and he, he gets himself back up, kind of hobbles over. Uh, he still thinks RJ is in this barn somewhere, and he's calling out to him. And he, I think he notices like a little uh, like shadow playing from the backside of the barn. And he, he gets up to the, the wall there and he sees some holes and he gets down on the ground to look through them. And, you know, you get the little back and forth there of um, him looking through and then a movement of shadow from the outside and your favorite part of uh, pitchfork in the face. Right in the eyes. Right. Oh yeah. Because of course it's, it's perfect. Um, and then we go right back to the house where Howard convinces Lorraine, uh, that there's another flashlight in the basement and can she go get it? Like, what are you thinking, girl, girl, now, girl, now, but she does because she's going to help this old man find his missing wife. You know, he's got her so played and, uh, she, um, goes down the stairs and we cut back to Pearl exploring the barn. Um, you know, after she rips the pitchfork out of Wayne's face, comes around and goes inside and she's just picking up some hay and putting it over the body, you know, like you do. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, uh, Lorraine finds the flashlight in the basement and she turns around and heads back up the stairs and discovers the door is shut and it is very much locked. That's not good. Um, she calls out to Howard. There's no answer. She rattles the door a little bit and you can see there's some barrel bolts on, um, you know, the other side, keeping it very closed. Um, I, I love how they're on the outside. So it's clear that, um, this is all designed to keep somebody from getting out of the basement, which also leads into our conversation about how, yes, this kind of stuff has clearly happened before because Lorraine goes back downstairs and turns on a light and what's illuminated behind her, but a naked body of some other random dude hung up on the wall. It's not RJ. It's not RJ. RJ is still on the ground in front of the van. Really? Because I I thought this whole time that it was RJ. Like even when I first saw it and then watched it again, this is a completely different dude with his pants around his ankles. Okay. (laughs) So that confirms that they have done this before, then. Oh yeah. Yep, and uh, we get. Lorraine's screen from the uh, from the trailer, and uh, wow, her mouth gets wide. Holy crap! Uh, she is—it's a great scream. I love it. Um, it's a shame that it got spoiled in the trailer, but uh, yeah, it's it's good. Um, and then we get Jackson waking up, thinking he heard something, and he's gonna go investigate. And Bobby Lynn is so crazy out of it; she just falls right back asleep. I uh, love that. Uh, so he walks around the boarding house uh, pretty naked there, uh, grabs some milk out of uh, the fridge, 
And this is where he notices uh, a little bit of movement of light from outside, and he sees it's Howard with a flashlight. Um, so he steps to the door, asks the old man if everything's okay. Howard's like, hey, my wife's gone missing. And this is where we get the wide shot, and you see uh, Jackson's third leg in silhouette. <laughs> it's so fucking funny. <laughs> Keegan is speechless at this point. Uh, it's just. Yeah, <laughs> it's super gratuitous, but it's fucking funny. Uh, uh, so, yeah, he offers to help. He's just going to go get his uh, get his draws and uh, or he calls him his why not skitties. Just go out naked. I mean, why not? Right. But no, he's he's going to get his undies on and boots, but nothing else. <laughs> His undies, an undershirt, and boots. That's what he's going to go help this guy search for uh, his missing wife in. Um, so as he leaves um, uh, Jackson, uh, Pearl sneaks in and crawls into bed with Maxine naked, you know, like you do. Um, it's, yeah. Um, and... We cut back to Jackson and Howard as they get closer to the swampy area there. And Jackson suggests that they split up to cover more ground. Um, we get back to Pearl getting handsy with Maxine and leaving blood all over her body. Um, yeah, it's, it's pretty gross. Um, and... Got back to Jackson, walking through the swamp where he finds a partially submerged car. And then he notices a light in the distance and he thinks that it might have been Pearl. So he kind of wades in and it's Howard's flashlight that he has left out in the swamp to sort of draw Jackson in. Um... Back to the basement and Lorraine's struggling with the cellar doors, which are chained from the outside. She looks around a little bit more, finds a hatchet. Um, and then back to Jackson where he gets out of the water and there's Howard and they talk for a little bit and then Howard just blows him away. So, so yeah, so brutal. it's just like, it just comes out oh, yeah. of nowhere. <laughs> It just, and it's so loud. It's just like, he's just standing. It's just like dead. It's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, he well, goes down pretty fast. And you know, that line from earlier about having enough of farmers uh, shooting at him for a lifetime. Yeah. Yeah. You really did. Um, so that's too bad because I like Jackson's character a lot. Um, but you, you kind of knew he was going to die. You, you kind of know just about everybody's going to die in this movie. Um, Sue, uh, he's dead, and this is where Maxine wakes up in Pearl's arms. She kind of rolled over and probably thought it was Wayne, but no, no, it's uh, it's Pearl. So she screams, and this wakes up Bobby Lynn, who is so out of it. Um, <laughs> I think she may have taken you know an Ambien or something like that. I don't know, but she is gone, and she comes racing out of her room. Meets Pearl in the hallway, who just kind of zooms on by her. Um, 
and uh, Maxine's screaming about how she was touching her. Um, and yeah, we're we're back to Lorraine, uh, which auto corrected to learning. So that's why I look a little confused right now. Uh, she's attempting to hack through the basement door. And of course, why are you hacking away at the bit that's far away from the lock? That's what I was going to say. I was like, I was saying watching this and I was like. That's like, yeah. It doesn't clear, feel smart. It, I mean, I know you're like in a moment of stress and. But come on. like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally agree. So she reaches through trying to get at the locks. And this is where Howard bashes at her fingers with the butt of the shotgun. That's kind of brutal. And there's like blood all over the oh yeah. The door. Oh, he gets her good. And he tells her to get back down in that cellar and be quiet. And we get Maxine doing a few more lines of coke to put herself at ease. Because, you know, doing coke is going to calm you down. Um, but uh, that that's her drug of choice. Um, and Bobby Lynn, uh, she's kind of looking around for everybody. And, well, she finds Pearl on the dock. And she has a moment of concern. She has no idea what's been going on, of course. Um and to her, she sees this little old lady who's clearly gone, who's wandered out into a dangerous situation. And uh, she, you know, goes and finds her, wraps her up in a blanket or something like that. And she's like, oh, yeah, my, my grandmother, you know, had moments where she wasn't all there. I know all about it, she says. And Pearl just slaps her and then totally dresses her down and i love it it's great oh yeah um i don't know that bobby lynn really needed to be dressed down in this movie but oh does that happen and she's like okay enough of this shit get out of my way and this is where pearl just shoves her into the pond and the gator does the rest but we get that awesome line of bitch <laughs> oh pearl's great <laughs> Yes. Uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, that, ooh, that gator's going to town on, uh, on Bobby Lynn. Um, they didn't even have to drag the body to the swamp. It's done. Um, and Howard uh, finds Pearl on the dock, and they head back to the boarding house, uh, where Maxine is scrubbing herself like crazy. Um, you know, she's all coked up, so she's got the energy to do it. Um, and she's just, you know, totally grossed out, of course, by being fondled by this old lady, but also probably because she's covered in somebody's blood. Um, yeah. Uh, so clearly RJ. seeing that this, I'm sorry. It'll be, it'll be RJ's blood. Won't it? Yeah, I'm sure it is. She killed first. Mm -hmm. Cause it was a pretty, uh, non messy kill with Wayne. Um, but yeah, uh, I think she sees the old couple coming and she sees that they have a gun. So she runs off and hides at this point. Um, Pearl is talking to Howard about Maxine being special. 
and how she wishes that Howard would think that, you know, she, Pearl, was uh, special too. Um, and this is where she finally convinces Howard with his bad heart to get it on. Meanwhile, Maxine is hiding under the bed that they're going to do that on top of, and it is so gross, and the mattress is so saggy, and every thrust is pushing the bottom of this mattress at her at a certain... Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> it's it's also watching them, and it's like, it's like two planks of wood like rubbing against each other. God! <laughs> It's yeah, so st- yeah that's sad. It's, it's so stiff. I know, but you know, old people have sex. Come on, Keegan. It's it's yeah, I know it's not what you want to be thinking about, but also it, it happens. Um they're they're an old couple that's clearly still in love with each other. They're just a couple of very disturbed individuals as well. Uh so Maxine is at her breaking point. Um, and she decides it's time to crawl away. And luckily she has, you know, the, uh, the awesome sex noises of old people fucking to, uh, cover her escape. Yep. Let's, uh, let's make Keegan extra uncomfortable here. Um, and so she does, she crawls all the way to the door of the boarding house. She crawls as well. She's, she's thick. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, she has had enough. Um, so she manages to get away and this is where she finds RJ's corpse in the uh, headlights of the van. Um, and that's not good. And she hears Lorraine screaming from inside the house. So Maxine grabs the revolver out of the glove box. Um, she, she finally finds Lorraine and she undoes the door Lorraine is losing her mind at this point. Uh, she's having a fucking meltdown and ultimately blames everything on Maxine. I don't get it. Like, I think in that Maxine, she thinks that Maxine convinced her to do the sex, which drove RJ away. This is where Lorraine's at, I guess. Okay, I I thought it was. I guess that makes sense because from what I mean, this is probably wrong, but I gathered I thought it was something like she'd con she'd convinced her to come along, but then I suppose that would have been R J that would have asked her to come. So then that makes sense. Yeah, I think R J did the only convincing as far as getting her on this trip. Um, but um. <laughs> Yeah, uh, she's not having it, uh, and she's going to get the hell out of there. So I I think Maxine's trying to convince her not to run, but Lorraine runs right out the front door and into a shotgun blast. She goes down hard. Um, Almost like a second potatoes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Howard and, and Pearl must have heard Maxine running off when she finally got to the door. And that's the only way they could have followed and been there so fast. But because they were clearly waiting for somebody to step outside. Um, But yeah, she goes down and you get Howard saying, I told her to stay in the damn cellar. And, you know, you get the conversation between Howard and Pearl. 
Um, Earl has clearly given him his second wind here because he's pretty active. Uh, he wants to drag the body into the house just in case they need to claim self-defense. Um, and, you know, Pearl's like, who's going to come here? It's, you know, we're just going to dispose of the bodies in the swamp like we always do. And meanwhile, Maxine's around the corner with the revolver trying to hide and listening to all of this. Um, so they're, they're dragging Lorraine's body into the house and you see the damage to her face that the shotgun did. Face is effed up. Oh, it's bad. It's really bad. And this is where Lorraine gurgles a little bit because she's not quite fully dead yet. And it startles Howard into having a heart attack. I love it. It's, it's so funny. Like that, that's how he goes. It just, yeah, he gets, it wasn't, it wasn't the hot sex with Pearl. No, no, it was that little gurgle after all this bloody violence that, you know, he's probably perpetrated through, through the years. Uh, no. Um, and this is where Maxine storms. She sees her moment. She storms out from around the corner with her gun, uh, demanding the keys to the truck. Um, and Pearl's like, Hey, he's having a heart attack. You got to help me here. And Maxine's not having any of that. Um, yeah. And Pearl at this point, um, tries to tell Maxine that she's just like her again, Maxine, not having it. Uh, what does she say to her? You're a kidnapping, murdering sex fiend. I'm a fucking star. The whole world is going to know my name. I will not accept a life I do not deserve. And this, the line of accepting a life that she doesn't deserve is echoed on the TV with the preacher. Yeah. But then we get the payoff at the end. Yeah. Why she knows that line. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. that. That's, but I, I, I also love, love that, that, that um, the, the television preacher has been uh, sort of the background noise for all of this that's been going on because that, that TV has been on basically since Lorraine got locked in the basement, I think. Um, or, or at least since uh, Howard bashed her fingers in uh with the uh shotgun but um so yeah yeah nothing like nursing a broken hand and being trapped in a basement and forced to listen to all that feels good yeah um so yes uh she has her little speech and this is where she's just had enough and she decides she's gonna blow pearl away but wayne true to his word the gun's empty it's like, oh, fuck. And Pearl sees her moment and grabs the shotgun. But Maxine is able to uh, to duck uh, just in time. I think she might catch just a little bit on her arm or it's the broken glass from the mirror that gets shattered. Um, it's one of the two. But she she's not killed. But the shotgun blast throws Pearl through the front door and into the driveway. It's like so funny. Oh my God. She gets blown into next week by this blast. Um, so Maxine gets up and, <laughs> uh, she, she walks outside and Pearl, you know, says that her hip is broken and she's pleading for help. And Maxine just gives her a little shh. 
just this little shushing uh, motion. Yeah, it's great. And she just walks past her, hops in the truck. And at this point, um, <laughs> Pearl decides, okay, I'm not getting any help from you. So now I'm just going to, you know, have at you. And she says, you whore, uh, you're not innocent. You're not special. It'll all be taken away from you, just like it was from me. I'll tell everyone what you are. And then Maxine throws it into reverse and backs over Pearl's head and says, it'll be our secret. I love it. <laughs> Her head is squashed like a watermelon. Yeah, yeah, like a watermelon or a cantaloupe or something. Yeah, it, it pops in her scream before the tire hits her is great, too. Um, and, uh, yeah, we get uh, more um, more of the preacher stuff. And, uh, you know, like uh, as uh, Maxine is driving away, she makes a comment about divine intervention. And, of course, she does another bump as she's driving because... <laughs> She's had a long day. She needs some extra energy for this drive, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. How many lines of coke has she done in the last 24 hours? At least three or four. Yeah, she's, um, let's see here. The one line that we saw in the dressing room of uh, Bayou Burlesque, um, she did the bump before uh, her scene that she filmed. Uh, two more lines after she got, uh, felt up by Pearl and then this bump as she's driving away. So she's done a decent amount of blow in this, uh, 24 hour period. Um, but this might just be another Tuesday for her. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, um, (laughs) she, she does that bump and, uh, she, uh, uh, says, praise the fucking Lord. And we cut back to the farmhouse and it's a little bit later in the morning and the TV preacher is going on and it is revealed that Maxine is the preacher's daughter and how she came to the evils of the world and blah, blah, blah. Um, And yep. Or back to the, the sheriff standing around all the carnage and uh, one of the deputies um, asks this. him, yeah, what do you think happened here? And the sheriff's like, the fuck do I know? <laughs> Why would I know that? And then another deputy finds RJ's camera and brings it up. And, uh, you get the awesome line from the sheriff that, uh, you know, what do you think's on it? And the sheriff says, I'd say one goddamn fucked up horror picture. Cut to the title card and Robert Palmer. And we get I don't credits. Know, like, I don't know, like, any of the songs in this film. I think there's one that I recognize, but they're all bangers. They're all so oh, yeah. good. It's a great soundtrack. Um, you got that Loretta Lynn uh, when they're hanging out. You know, she just died last month, actually. She was, um, she was something. Um, but yeah, we go to credits here at this point, and yeah, it's it's a it's a banger from Robert Palmer. Um, and if you were in theaters in North America and saw X, uh, you got a trailer for Pearl as a post-credit scene, which apparently they 
didn't include in the digital version of this. I don't know if it's on the Blu-ray. Um, I'd have to pop it in and double check it. But yeah, that was a nice little tease that nobody saw coming. Nobody knew that Pearl was a thing. Um, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, it still has yet to make it to Scotland, yeah? There's nothing for the UK. I don't think it's even hit like outside of the US. I think the US is the only place that's... That's so weird. Just got it. And the Did thing you is, get... with it, we got X like pretty recently after um, it came yeah. out. Because it was in March here in the US. Um, it was, I'm pretty sure it was. Um, I want to say it was March as well. Because hmm. um, I was on. I was on holiday from work. So yeah, I, I was. I think it was March. Hmm. It was yeah. It was the it was the week before my birthday. Um, okay. Because I remember yeah, well, seeing it. <laughs> unbeknownst to most people, but now known to us, uh, while they were filming this, they decided, hey, let's film a prequel <laughs> because Mia Goth, already playing Pearl, gets to play her in like Spanish flu era. Like right it's around World War One. Yeah, it's during the war, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it is like so aggressively Technicolor. I can't wait for you to see it. It's the color Gosh. grading on it is just nuts. Um, the film is nuts, and you get some awesome monologues from Pearl. It's it's really good. Um, and then. Uh, we all know at this point that we're uh, getting treated to a third film in this series, Maxine, that's supposed to take place in, you know, with three X's this time, uh, that's supposed to take place in about 1985, I think. Um, I don't know if they've started filming yet. It's like pre-production as far as I know. But I think that's supposed to be next year. So, Ty West, having a banger of a year. Um and good for him. He's made some cool movies. There's a there's a promo for it. Yeah, that was the post credit scene for Pearl. Was it? Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like this um, shot of um, you know the Hollywood sign, but it you know the camera like a helicopter shot coming from behind, and it's very eighties music playing. And uh, as the camera comes around, instead of Hollywood, it's Maxine um, and like coming soon or something like that underneath it. Um, but yeah. Was that uh, got announced like the, I mean, from what I, re I can remember, that was pretty much announced on the release date of Pearl. Yeah. Like it, it was like immediately announced because... I heard uh, after I came out X, I'd heard about Pearl because I went in Wikipedia. Usually, when I watch a film, I go on like Wikipedia and read the plot and make sure I didn't miss anything. And um, I saw the thing about Pearl and was like, "Oh, nice!" And and I read up that it was like they filmed them together, which was so. It's like this didn't even have to do well. Like they'd already made another film that was coming out later in the same year yeah somebody at 824 uh absolutely had faith in ty west and mia goth because i'm pretty sure she like co-wrote pearl with him 
Um, I don't remember for certain, but I feel like I read that. I could be talking out of my ass at this point. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, her performance as Maxine and as Pearl in X, just awesome. Um, and I'm so glad that they got to do that prequel. Um, but yeah, you'll have to tell me when you finally get to see it. Yeah, some of the, the A24 films are weird. Like, some of them, even with like everything everywhere all at once, that took a while to come out. And even like um, Marcel Lachelle, that um, I know friend of the show who's always on here, Dim, he loves that movie. Mm-hmm. And he's always like, oh, it's on VOD now. And I'm like, I go on Apple TV, <laughs> type in, and it doesn't even come up. Like, you can't get it anywhere over here. So I don't know like how um how they distribute different films or whatever because a24 is a24 is a very strictly like american like company isn't it that's like even some of the films only come out in like certain theaters and there some of them are like very short window releases and stuff it's like a Mm -hmm. it's quite a yeah yeah they're um yeah they're definitely more of an indie distributor um so and they've had a lot of decent horror but also plenty of other good stuff i mean they they were the u.s distributor for parasite um another great film that's like god that trailer makes it feel like a horror film but it is something very different um but yeah yeah they mostly do a great job there's not many stinkers but also you know, I think people think about A24 as, you know, it's like they think of A24 films like a lot of people think of uh, Ubisoft games, you know, you know that. Oh, it's a it's an Ubisoft game. OK, we know what that means. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really think that way, but um, I I could see that people think that oh it's a24 so it's got to be some kind of you know like indie darling prestige um god i i hate elevated horror i hate it all horrors ultimately i think a little bit more meaningful than people give it credit for but you know that kind of style at least that you know the normies think of it um yeah i don't know I think they do a great job and I'm always excited to see a new release from them. I know Dim is. Yeah. Yeah. He's a member. So yeah. Uh, Yeah. Any, I mean, even with early in this year's Mel uh, men, we've talked about that. Yeah. And well, you guys were chatting about it and I looked up to see what it was and it was a 24 and I was like, Oh, I got to go and see that. Cause a lot of their films do hit now that is just a completely different other type of film in its own right um but yeah it's 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 not often you're disappointed by one of their projects yeah yep good stuff good stuff uh keegan do you have any final thoughts or insight on x Um. I don't think so. I think it's just kind of a fun film to talk about. It's, uh, yeah, it's not, 
it's not a deep film, so it's, there's not there, it's hard to talk a lot about. It's just fun to watch and fun to pick out certain moments and how silly mm-hmm. it is. And my favorite when I first saw it, and my first thing to say was, I love how it doesn't take itself seriously at all. Yeah, and it just it just completely just does whatever it likes. Doesn't yeah. care. As far as I'm concerned, people. it's like a hair's breadth away from straight up being a horror comedy. Uh, it's very close. It's not quite there, but it's it's like yeah, it's it's not far away from like a scream type film where scream mm-hmm. is still very much a more comedy than horror. It's comedy yeah. with horror elements. I'd say it's more horror with comedy elements personally, but I I think it's just because it leans so hard into the you know the the meta territory like this film does. Uh, yeah, but this this one definitely feels a lot more horror. Like there isn't there isn't co- comedy in this. There's moments you laugh at, but there, mm-hmm. yeah, there's not there's not much comedy. But yeah, I, I'm surprised how much I enjoyed the second watch along as well because sometimes I'll watch films again even if I love them. I'll kind of just be like. Okay, I'm kind of just sitting here watching this now. But yeah, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's good times. Well, Keegan, if you'd like, where can people find you? Um, follow me on the hellscape that is currently Twitter, um, at Keegan K. Hill. Um, I Instagram Keegan Hill. I don't really use much else. Um, well, the way Twitter is kind of going, you may be using Instagram a bit more. Um, <laughs> or joining whatever that new social media app is. That oh, what is it? Mastodon or something like that? Yeah, a lot yeah. of news outlets have been kind of pushing it. Um, but yeah, I, I just tweet random nonsense into the void, like most people. So Yeah. I don't know. Um, we'll, we'll see how all that goes. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that's, uh, horror film. that's a horror in itself. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> How can we make an absolute hellscape already, you know, in, in its own right? How can we make it worse? Well, we're we're witnessing it, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, Keegan, thanks for coming on. Uh, I I'd love to have you back again, but and I'm sure we'll be talking in the track bog before too long. But this has been. Murders with Mertens, a horror film podcast. Thank you for letting us tickle your ear holes. Please like, share, and subscribe if you are so inclined. I'll be back soon enough with another episode, but until next time, stay spoopy, everyone. (laughs) 